Kia ora and welcome to Beyond Consultation, a podcast that will help you in your public or community sector work to increase your impact by doing more than just ticking the box of consultation. I'm Paul McGregor from Business Lab, and we're interested in the mindsets and methods of people who are making a bigger impact by working collaboratively with communities, industries, and other organizations. Ma mihi mote Recently, I went back and had a look at the stats for our podcast to see what episodes are landing with you. What are you enjoying? And between the top two episodes, there's a pretty clear theme. The top one was with Atafai Tibble called The Five Whys of Māori Engagement. And the second was with Kara Nepa Apatu called Real Talk About Māori Crown Partnerships. So today's episode will build on that kopapa on that theme, because clearly you have a hunger to learn more. Today's guest came recommended from two people, Zainal Sushil, who you can hear back in episode three, and Rachel Knight as well. So kia ora to you two, if you're listening. Thank you for the recommendation. And to any of you listening, if you have somebody who you would love me to interview, please do drop me a line, email, LinkedIn, text, whatever, to let me know who that is. Always happy to receive those recommendations. Okay, so what do we get into in today's corridor, in today's episode? We dive into two things in particular. One is, what does Māori design innovation systems thinking look like in comparison to more European-based ways of working? And the huge message I get is, whakawhanaungatanga. It is all about relationships and manakitanga. It's all about enhancing the mana of the person who's there in front of you, understanding their why and supporting that. The other thing we explore is what is your role if you're working in a non-Māori organization? What is your role personally and what is your organization's role to totoko, to support Māori aspirations? And Katalina's got what might be a little bit of a hard truth for you to hear, which is that it might not be for your organization to step in and do the mahi. But there are other roles that your organization might be able to play so that there are more Māori designing with Māori for Māori by Māori. After we stopped recording, she said to me, ah, oh, Paul, I really hope that doesn't make people scared about taking the first steps. There can be a lot of fear, guilt that comes up for non-Māori when thinking about how to work effectively with Māori. If that does come up for you, Katarina's advice is that might be a signal that there's some more learning for you to do. And Katarina is also involved in a program called Tika, which is building capability for people in Tikanga Māori, helping people to understand what are Māori values, what's the Māori worldview, what are some key practices, and how can you take that into your own mahi, into your own work. So. If after today's episode, you want to learn more, you really wanted to dive into that, then Teka is there for you. And uh, thanks to COVID, the program is now fully online and you can enroll in a program on your own. You don't have to be doing that as part of your organization. Today's show starts with me sharing a karakia, a blessing, and a short pepe, along with Katarina sharing her pepe. I often do this with guests and sometimes we keep it in and sometimes we cut it out. We've kept it in today because Katarina shares how important that is for her to feel 
her own culture reflected. So that's how we start today's show. Well, look, without any further ado, please welcome to the show, Katarina Davis. Thank you for having me here today. Um, thank you for that beautiful karakia. And your um, lovely mihi. You don't know what that means when you can feel like you belong in a space uh, straight away. So through the essence of monarchy, um, thank you for sharing that with me. It's nothing like having your culture reflected back in with Mandana and with Aro. Um, how much that can make you really lean into a space and feel comfortable. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm Katarina Davis. On my father's side, I am hail from Ngāti Whātua, Ngāti Whātua in particular, um, I've been living mm. on my marae and my dad grew mm. up here, went to school here, and I can't ever see ourselves leaving. On my mum's side, I'm from the north. I'm my only child. Really loved my upbringing, surrounded by my whanau, um, supported by my whanau, and encouraged by my whanau all the time. Mm. So you're very lucky about the way I've been brought up here in Aotearoa. And tell Māori, I ramble, but yes. <laughs> well, that's quite a nice starting point there. You talk about manaakitanga and, and having your culture reflected back to you and, and how important that is for you. And our quarter all today is about your experiences, your whakaro, your knowledge in Māori innovation and, you know, the long history that that has and how you're bringing that into today. So... Where's the starting point for you personally with that sort of mahi? I guess the starting point for me and the sort of mahi is bringing my whole self to mahi and it's not considered mahi because I'm coming to my job as myself and the bit where I draw strength from mostly which is my al Māori everything that I am is embedded in the work that I do I believe by being Māori first and foremost rather than placing a lens over a kaupapa in order mm -hmm. to deliver something targeted for Māori so when I'm working in this space I'm Māori first and foremost mm -hmm. and I bring that into my mahi it can't mm -hmm. leave me really, you know, mm -hmm. it is who I am and it's what I bring with strength in Aroha. That's interesting because I think a lot of people, whatever culture we come from, actually at the moment are struggling to bring our whole selves to work mm -hmm. and it's having all sorts of flow and impacts. We had a project team hui for some work last week and it was kind of a reflection session and we said, oh, this project is really unique and nice because we're laughing and we're all just being and ourselves and it actually doesn't feel like work and we're getting a whole lot more done and being able to go a lot deeper than we otherwise might. What do you think it is that holds people back from being able to bring their whole culture to their workplace? Well, that's an interesting one. I'm not sure whether or not it's the inability for a person to bring their whole person themselves. So not placing the onus on the person, but asking the question of the space that they're walking into, yeah. is that a space that is right for them to be enabled to be themselves mm. or provide safe space to take place? I think it, it goes back to values all the time, as we say, mm. what does that look like to truly uphold one's mana other mm. than your own all the time, having that yeah. at the forefront of your mind, those sorts of things. So how do we truly realize people's potential without putting our own want for their potential onto them so they can live within their own way of being mm -hmm. and that be welcomed and celebrated. Yeah, so what is it about the space and the land that has been prepared for whānau to come into 
a role or mahi. And with this time, wada, that we're going through at the moment, because we're at home, you know, yes, we have kids running around, but there's things that we can do at home, like the washing, like the cooking, that can help settle our roadie. And I know that's been an experience for me, and especially coming into level three, where I've been able to extend my bubble that little bit um, more. It's awesome, you know, because I spent time away from Orake in yeah. level four <laughs> and coming home, we've come back to it and feeling really, really, really settled and appreciative yeah. of what I have here. So, yeah. Well, Katarana, yeah, I, I identify with what you're saying there and how you turn things around. That Actually, it's not the onus isn't on the individual. It's, it's what's going on around them, what's happening in the organization or their systems. that, um, And there is a yeah. bit of ownership on the individual as well. You know, so what is it about shared responsibility that we have to enable a process? Yes, the organization that you walk into should be ripe and should be fertile to enable people to be who they want to be when they come into their work. But there is a small um, bit of our own responsibility as well. But how does that all fit into a cycle? And from what I've seen of of your mahi, so your journey was, you started your work life in the health sector, was it? Can, yes. can you tell us a little bit about that journey from working very deeply in the health system to more the sort of systems level view that your mahi is now? This is a story and a half, and I can't really tell it without telling it all, so I'll, I'll give you short little snippets of each part. Yeah. So I was a teenage mother. I had my daughter, um, who's now 17, when I was 17, was very lucky with the support that we had back then. We still experienced all the negative stigma around teenage pregnancy, but at home we had massive support. We also had an opportunity to take part in a documentary, one of the first documentaries actually that Māori Television produced produced (laughs) called Pepe, was a first-time parenting documentary, and with that it opened up many, many doors to services that we often don't have accessibility to. And a lot more support. Do you mean that. for you personally or also for Fano and, and Hapu? And oh, Ewe? for me personally to take part, definitely. But the yeah. stories and, and the learnings and the yeah, access right. to resource that hopefully the Fano um, watching and they saw it in that way as well. That was a long documentary and <laughs> people are still asking about how late is it. She's amazing. So from there, some people watching the show saw us, myself and my kids, fathering suggested I might be good to go into this space to talk about sexual health and sexuality. And that was how I got into health. When I was a young 18-year-old, I got started working at Kamti's Manukau DHB for Te Kaho Te Trust. And that was an awesome step into the space because it was into a kaupapa Māori organisation talking about how do you come to work as your whole self? You know, that yeah. sort of thing. How do we be comfortable as ourselves? How do we find strength in our identity and be vulnerable and have these conversations that people aren't able to have? In my 20s, I moved to the Auckland DHB and to Auckland Sexual Health. Did a, it was some of the best years of my life, actually. I've still got my longest standing friends from that organisation. We still see each other. We still talk to each other. My learnings there and with working with young people, mostly... Also working with other marginalised groups within our communities who experience similar things to Māori, LGBT communities, many of our, you know, groups with the net space. And I was there for the whole of my 20s right through to my 30s. When I turned 30, I took a risk. And at that point in time, I was taking care of my father who suffered from dementia. Mm. And he was my main person, I think. Your cause. 
Yeah. Yeah. At that point in time, he passed away in 2015. And so that that gave me opportunity to take some opportunities that were Mm. coming my way. And I had worked under the Simon Hadjil Ford for in the sexual health for a long time. And he put out a a call looking for a Māori project lead. Not only did I admire Simon and had always wanted to work near him, with him, their role was just talking to me. And I think within sexual health, you learn values are more important in the application of those values. To be empathetic, to uphold people's mana all the time, to really connect into relationships without intention, to give back people's stories, all these sorts of things. Anyway, so I went into a new world of design that I had never known about, let alone being able to it all about it. How was that for you going from that health role and then suddenly there's this whole new world? How are you feeling with that transition? It was a lot more rapid. That was a big transition for me, a lot more rapid. But what I did find is that under co-design, our values and mindsets that really align with our Māori. Oh, there are a few gaps, of course, and you know, a few things that you work your way through, like any awesome mm. design process. It gets messy. But you learn it and sometimes it's about learning by doing and getting thrown in the deep end. But I had awesome friends that really supported me, you know, Innovate Change and Simon really supported me through the, you know, when we moved to become the innovation unit, the leadership there and access to Australia as well was really important. It gave a really good stepping stone to bring me to where I am today. I can imagine that you would have had lots of interesting kōrero conversations with you starting from Te Ao Māori and then some of your teammates starting from Te Ao Pākehā. How did you weave together the different mindsets, values, approaches when you were working together? There was already a curiosity and hunger and want to see organisations, including our own serving and working for Māori also. And because I also work in cultural competency through our uh, cultural mm. competency for Ikala, Manakitanga is the most important aspect there. And understanding that we've all got different ways of doing things, but understanding our reason why is always the most important. And for me, it's about organisations working to help Māori achieve their aspirations, mm. uh, what our aspirations are. So I think it takes time. And nothing is a quick fix ever. Yeah. Well, if you live in an area, you know that it takes time to see change happen, but it is mm. possible. I think we're really good at sitting in that unknown and taking risks and taking leaps with decisions made by a collective mm. and working together to achieve whatever the aspiration was behind that decision. And for me, it's really about, yes, increasing equity for Māori, but more so achieving and with equity being that mechanism to get there. And you mentioned before there's some gaps in how a European-based way of looking at co-design. What do you see as those? Well, understandably, there's gaps because they weren't built on, say, common sense. What's important to us as Māori is not necessarily important to non-Māori. Mm. As well, so gaps around language, gaps around time, Time not necessarily um, being an important concept, gaps around relationships coming first. Because if you're really bought into Fanonga and a commitment to building, maintaining, enduring relationships pre 
during and post co-papa, then we shouldn't be needing to be creating new relationships for a co-papa. There's a gap there. Can I jump in and ask a question on that? Because <laughs> that makes sense to me. And I found it hard to communicate the value of whakawhanaungatanga, of continually building relationships to senior leaders who might be more focused on, you know, what's our financial situation right now, or uh, what's our big picture strategy or whatever. What have you learned that works well in communicating how important that is? Role modeling it, how important it is to me. If I'm saying it, then I need to be role modeling it myself. So I'm always reflecting back on how I role model the maintenance of relationships. Questioning uh, how much budget is put towards it, and if not much, then why? Mm. And really talking about the why in terms of if you are truly buying into this relationship process and the strengthening of connection, then that will note without a doubt smooth out the rest of your process mm. because you have that trust that you've built together in order to have the challenging conversations that often get in the way and create barriers. However, within our idea of whanaungatanga, every whanau has conflict. Mm. You wouldn't be a whanau if you didn't. <laughs> our creation story, if we look right back to our creation story of Te Orokohanga, there was conflict. If you look through our history, there was conflict. So <laughs> we're not opposed to there being tension and conflict in a relationship. However, if there is that there, you can still be whanaut after. So for me, that's a really important um, point if we're truly saying that we learn to lean into Fanaungatanga. And I think that's quite different, at least to the culture that I grew up in. You know, I think yeah. of if there was conflict in my immediate family, then that was just the worst thing. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. it was quite hard to go and have a hug after that. I think there is quite a bit of a difference there between Te Ao Māori and Te Ao Pākehā in that. And it's not to say that we're all the best at having relationships, you know. <laughs> I mean, I live on my papakainga and um, I'm surrounded by hundreds of my close fan of them, we see each other every day. Yeah. And it still depends on how you participate. And I really paid attention to relationships and never with any intention of it being a relationship for gain. Mm. And I think that's a key point. You are gaining in ways, but there needs to be reciprocity. Yeah. But what that looks like is up to you. So I'm getting this real sense from you of what Tikanga Māori led design looks like and feels like, you know, it's based on relationships, getting to know the pe person in front of you, manaki tanga, so really upholding them, understanding their why. What yes. else for you is, is really important? For me in design, my biggest kaupapa at the moment is anything really that has direct impact for Māori. If we think there is going to be direct impact for Māori, then how do we build from a Māori space mm -hmm. first? And foremost, why that's important is, for me is because too long I've been seeing organisations believe that they're the right group to be working for Māori, when it's not actually the case. Because, yeah. like, yes, people's intention is always there. Their aroha is always there. Their hearts are always there. But they do not have the ability to really dive deep into the richness mm. that is te ao Māori, to really dive deep into mātauranga Māori, to bring it to the surface, not just that, but also acknowledgement of te wairua and its importance within our realms that we work in mm. and how important having that connection there and that safety there as well. So how do we acknowledge mm. those sorts of things as well within 
And I think that is the dimension that brings the power. Mm-hmm. There's the strength in identity, the strength in grounding in space here in Aotearoa, mm. the whakapapa to our stories that we then design from because we've done this before, mm. generations ago, but we've done it before. So we reach back into those kaupapa and it's really important for us to lean into the kōrero kāmua kāmuri. So we have to move back to move forward and if we believe in that hukai, we think of it, it's a truly... Our Māori Whakaro Māori based project because there, there's a real difference between thinking Māori and then being Māori, <laughs> you know, I would say. And it's really hard to translate Whakaro Māori into Te Reo Pākehā. So that's why we really need to be leading into and embracing duality. Mm. And then what does it look like to have shared responsibility? And even better, a step forward, what does it look like for these, you know, non Māori organisations to support and elevate Māori organisations to take leadership, mm. to devolve that power, but elevate up. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more because I think a lot of people listening to this show might be working in a non-Māori organisation and they're looking around going, we want to totoko uh, <laughs> Māori aspirations and, how, and we're wondering how to do this. And your message there is, well, actually, you might not be the right organisation yourself to do that mahi. So what does it look like to afi Māori organisations effectively? Well, ideally, create a really, really strong relationship, understand where both of our values lie and whether or not they align at all. Mm. Understanding the why behind the relationship is really, really important. What are the gains from this relationship and how do you share those with equity and then designing together what your connection and what your relationship means and what it means mm. if you are moving into partnerships, eh? Mm. What does that look like? What does equal partnership look like? Mm. Uh, what does an equitable approach look like in terms of a partnership? And how do we maintain the modi of that huruma mm. as well? Part of why I'm asking that question is I'm working on a situation at the moment where there is a nationwide organisation that is trying to do just that and figure out actually what's our role in this and how do we understand what our role is when we're working across the multi, across the country, and it's probably going to be different in different locations as well. And so it can get quite complex quite quickly. If you're starting from that place of relationships and you're working across the country and there's so many different relationships that are going on as well. So I guess I'm Mm. also wondering for organizations in that position, do they think nationally or do they think locally where Mm. to start from? I guess my first answer to that would be not to leave it up to one person. I've seen that a lot, you know, national organizations, leaving it to one person and to navigate those relationships. We don't work as as individuals, like it's, it's, we need to have a team of support around us. And if we are, again, Leaning into Funaungatanga, asking about the why to create the relationships as a team first and mm. have that reflection, I think is the most important first and foremost, rather than let's set up the relationships and then we'll figure out how they look after that. I would say going out nationally, you need to dive into your trusted relationships that you have nationally and that you mm. actually grow and grow and grow mm. trusted relationship after trusted relationship. If those relationships are maintained, so taking care of a team of Māori, making sure that the space that you're working within is safe for them, 
first and foremost, so that they feel, yes, I actually do want to bring my mm. networks and my family into this organization. Yeah. And I feel like they will be in safe hands if I do that. So mm. making sure that at the beginning, that relationship is solid first. Mm. So it oozes out to the people that you engage with and people that take part in whatever trip up there. It mm. is going to back to values all the time. And <laughs> I, I always find myself really going on and on about values, but without that, it's really hard to move forward with strength. You know, mm. I've been brought up on these values that we talk about all the time and I've kind of stopped wanting to use them <laughs> as much because within our tech program, we work with some amazing people who just, like you say, have the heart and the intention to really want to serve Marty. And that's why I stay really hopeful in the space that I see potential and awesome change for Māori. But these values that we talk about all the time, manaakitanga, whanaungatanga, kaitiakitanga, tenoranga, tiratanga, we're really embodying those and applying mm. those on a daily basis. It's not just for a kaupapa. Yeah. So if we're like talking about values, then they need to be seen like in your face, felt, <laughs> not just talked about. And a fear of mine is, if I'm working on something with, with a group of people and we're saying that we're using these values, we really, really, really need to be demonstrating it <laughs> as well. And I think that's often what is draining mm. for me because you're constantly mm. trying to find that intersection where people do katapa de kapa, where mm. that penny drops. And that happens in Te Māori and Te Pakia when you have... Yeah. Those values sitting up on the wall and you had this great conversation about them. And then next week you do something that just does not align with those at all. And she should do Yeah. And something yeah. doesn't feel right. And yeah. that's usually the reason why. It goes back to, again, like aroha, leading by love and aroha, focus on the well-being of your group and your team and your people. Pono, like really having faith and honesty in that group and, and able to have vulnerable tides that conversations but have that faith in the group and, and tikkuna so being tikka all the time that is what for us tikkuna is is being mm-hmm. living by tikka and having those conversations and creating that space for that to happen yeah and i truly believe in this <laughs> and can confidently say that i work really hard to live by those and demonstrate it on the daily You mentioned just before Teka, which is a program you're involved in teaching people about Tikanga Māori. Can you share a little bit about that? Because I think some of the people listening might be interested. I've been involved with Teka since pretty much standard. So for a while now, since I think I was involved since 2016, but it had been building for a while. So it was developed by my also cousin into a kind of precious clerk. And where it stems from, uh, our organisation motive or precious working with organisations who wanted to do exactly this, let's build their competency, develop a Māori strategy, create relationships with Māori, but precious often found herself fighting an uphill battle in terms of the necessary changes that would need to be made, but the lack of understanding in terms of the why they needed to be made. So she thought there must be a much more empowering Manakitanga based way for us to both work together because majority of the time ended up being building the capability of the organization <laughs> so that they could understand why the changes needed to be made. And with Anohat, she went to develop Tikar and it's been a, 
amazing journey so far. I've met so many awesome people who leave us very, very hopeful for the well-being of Māori. And we've worked with some amazing groups over the years. Still, so, of course, with this um, lockdown time, everything is online and we'd be really thankful to all the organisations that we've been mm. working with to immediately jump online with it. So it's a five full-day programme of which we can uh, do in-house. We also have in Atika a lit programme where you can literally walk off the street and come in take part in that program. Media organizations like to use our elect program as a way to test the value um, of the program before they make the the investment for a wider organization. It's in big demand at the moment, which is really, really exciting. (laughs) So also a plug out there, we're looking for trainers at the moment to join us uh, for Dakar. This time last year, it was myself and Precious and one other contract. And and we've grown quite a big team now. We're up to 10. I think. Mm. So we're really building up. We have Takar training, Modeo training is one of our pillars. We have Modeo consulting where we provide that wraparound service, that wraparound support after experiencing Takar because many people feel like they have decisions to make and need support to do that in order to live out what they've learned through Takar. And then we also have Modeo design, which is part that I laid out. And as part of that, I'm working with the Ministry of Health to, uh, on a co-design initiative to eradicate rheumatic feedback. Hmm. I really believe in Takara. I've seen what it can produce. I love the space that we create for any of our designers that participate. I say space because, you know, many of the people that take part in Takara are coming because they've had an experience of some sort. And usually, much of the time, it's our tamiriki that are kind hmm. of telling us as well and, you know, really wanting it, helping us to grow. And I really love that safe space that Takara creates for them to be vulnerable, to share the stories and learn yeah. together about Telmari. Well, Thank you for sharing about that. And I can understand why you've gone from three to 10 facilitators in the last year. I know one or two people have been involved in it and have have just raved about it. So yes. And I think for a lot of people listening, it's a huge focus for people working in public sector and community sector going, I need to build my capability and understanding. So thank you for sharing about that. It's so good to have somewhere that people can go to safely learn more, ask the questions that they might be nervous to ask otherwise and fail in that, that good environment, that safe environment. That's right. And yeah, failing is really important. I think we just seem to change that word, you know, (laughs) so heavily loaded. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, And we never truly give them the space to fail. Safely. <laughs> well, kia ora, Katarina. Is there anything else you want to add or anything else we should talk about, you think? Just thank you for this opportunity. I can talk about design forever. I really believe in it and I really believe in the power that it has to positively impact Māori by creating processes that are built on our common sense, building solutions that are designed from our common sense and then implemented through our common sense. That's why I truly believe in that. Main things I've taken from today is that starting with tikanga Māori, with Māori values and putting that at the heart. And also I really enjoyed your kōrero about what does it look like to tōtoko Māori organisations and Māori aspirations. And actually it might not be you doing the doing, so what other role can you as a non-Māori organisation play? I really enjoyed what you, your thoughts on that. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Consultation podcast. What did you learn from the show? What should we have talked about? Who else should I interview? I would love to hear your feedback. 
And if you want to learn more about what you heard today, everything from the show is at www.businesslab.co.nz slash podcast. If this episode has left you with a burning question, please feel free to submit a voice message through the link on our podcast page. We can then ask that question of a guest in a future episode. Or tag me in a post on LinkedIn or Facebook and I can point you in the right direction. If you want to know when we release new episodes, make it easier for yourself and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Again, thank you for listening. Nā mihi mō te whakarongo.